0: Maybe you're ready to get into the Word tonight, amen. We're, uh, we're taking a little, a little journey through Colossians, the, the colossal Christ of Colossians. I think if anybody needs to know who Jesus is, it ought to be the church. Now I want to tell you all something as we're getting ready to read this verse. Don't believe everything you hear in the news. Uh, I rarely fully believe the news anymore. Matter of fact, I've only had one bumper sticker on a car I'm generally not a bumper sticker kind of guy, but I got a bumper sticker because I don't believe the liberal media. I don't believe them. And so when Newsweek comes out and says Christianity is on the wane in the United States of America, no, here's what's happening. There is an apostasy taking place in certain parts of Christendom, but there are other parts that are quite well off and healthy. And so don't believe, because there are parts of the media who very much want Christianity to be on the wane. So I think it's uh, incumbent upon every church to to teach and preach what we're getting into here in Colossians. We need to be telling people who Jesus was and is and what he's done for us. Um, If it's waning at all, I think it's because we haven't been preaching Jesus up enough. We've been talking too much about success and not too much about the one who gives success and really lifting up Jesus. And so tonight I'm going to talk to you about what he has done for us and we're going to look at rescued and reconciled. We have been rescued and we have been reconciled. So let's look at uh, Colossians here. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's Colossians 1:13 and 14. Let's pray together. Lord, open our eyes as to who you are and lord give us wisdom as to what you have done for us lord help us to be jesus people people who are fully dedicated to jesus christ and are disciples of his and who can share him teach him preach him minister him to other people for we know lord that what the world needs now is jesus we ask you, Lord, for these things in His mighty name, Amen and Amen. Say praise Jesus. praise, Jesus, Amen. You can be seated. Let's let's talk about what He has done. Now, I shared with you that Colossians was written to counter heresy. Uh, if you want to talk about um, one of the oh I don't know the continual endless battles going on against the church and against the Bible and against Christ, it is attacks throughout the ages against who he is and his work. Show me a cult and I'll show you somebody who diminishes and marginalizes Jesus. That's what cults do. And unfortunately, a lot of our churches are going that way. A lot of the denominations are marginalizing Jesus Christ, questioning the virgin birth, questioning the second coming. I noticed on a magazine, Newsmax, uh, front cover, picture of Jesus looking like he's coming in the clouds, and it had a question. It says, is Christ coming? Of course, this happens every Easter. Every Easter, the atheists come out of the woodwork. Every Easter, the agnostics come out of the shadows and begin to attack the faith that uh, has changed our lives. But you know what? You can't keep a good man down. And you can't keep Jesus down. And uh, He is coming back. And so let's look uh, tonight... Uh, I shared with you also that in Colossians you will see this little phrase, "He is," and you will also see "He has." "He is" is when Paul's about to tell us some things about who Jesus Christ was and is, and we looked at those the last two Wednesdays. But then he said, "He has," and I'm going to talk about at least one of the "He hases" uh, tonight. Uh, "He has done." This is what he has done for us. The first "He has" passage is in verse 13 the one we just read now I want you to notice what it says he has done Jesus has rescued us how many of you are glad for that it says he has rescued us Now the word rescued is a Greek word ruami ruami and it means to be drawn out of to be drawn out of he has drawn us out of something now i want you to picture with me a minute a man stuck in the middle of a raging river we you've probably seen this on the news suddenly a helicopter appears a rescuer is lowered to the man who is quickly taken hold of and lifted up out of certain death he is drawn out of certain death he's rescued that's the word Jesus reached down, grace reached down, mercy reached down, the gospel reached down. And everybody in here tonight was drawn out of certain death. And not only death, everybody, but eternal lostness. I can't wrap my mind around that. I have to believe it by faith. But the Bible says that there will be those who are eternally lost and those who are eternally found. But aren't you glad that when you were groping your way in the dark and didn't know right from wrong, didn't know God, that He reached in, convicted you of sin, shone the light of the gospel on your conscience, you got convicted and said, I need Jesus, and you came to Him and, and got saved. And the minute you said, I receive you, He drew you out of certain death. Now, I'll give you another example. Paul talked to Timothy about his persecutions, his sufferings, those things that happened to him at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. And listen to what he says. I endured those persecutions, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Same Greek word. Out of all of those afflictions and persecutions and troubles, the Lord drew me out. How many of you are glad tonight that you've been through some things that if he hadn't drawn you out, you'd still be in it? but He drew you out. Oh, i tell you, the power of God, the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Ghost to reach into a situation where you are done for and pull you out. Thank God. Thank God. Now, the verb tense here, and I want you to catch this real important. The verb tense used in in, uh, verse 13 of Colossians 1 means that He has rescued us while we are still in this world. Now I want you to get this concept. And I want you to share this concept with people that you witness to. Our message is not just for the hereafter. It's not just, here's what God's going to do for you. You're going to be saved so that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. The verb tense of verse 13 is dealing with the here and the now. Right now, in this lifetime, you have been rescued and you are ongoingly living as a rescued person. You were rescued. You are rescued. You will be rescued. And you know what? Rescued people rescue people. Healed people heal people. Angry people anger people. But if you're a rescued person... Guess what? The grace is on you to rescue others. Paul wants us to understand that we are rescued for the here and now. There is a wonderful life that God has provided for us now. And you don't have to smoke it. You don't have to snort it. You don't have to shoot it. You don't have to drink it. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Come on, everybody. There is a life for now. Now, this is not talking about being rescued and taken to heaven, but rescued, look what he says, we have been rescued from, right now in this life, the power, the authority, and the jurisdiction of the darkness that is in this world while we are still here. See, we're surrounded by darkness. We're surrounded by spiritual wickedness. But what the Bible's telling us is that we are rescued people. And so though we are surrounded by darkness, we're not in the darkness. We are drawn out of that darkness so that we can reach back into that darkness and draw other people out of that darkness. We are rescued people in the presence of a bunch of people that need rescuing. This thing about the darkness. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So the Word of God says, Once we come to Christ as Savior, we are rescued from the rule or the authority of darkness. Darkness no longer has legal jurisdiction over us. I want you to catch that. See, until you got saved, the devil had a right to you because you were living in sin. So the devil had a right to you, and he exercised his authority and power over you, and you were in his jurisdiction But when you got saved, you got moved out of His jurisdiction into the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God. Now, we got to get this tonight because when you get this concept, something just kind of goes off inside of you. That light bulb comes on because it's, it's more than just Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You need to know what ground you're standing on. And the ground we're standing on is we're no longer under His jurisdiction. If He comes into our turf he's a squatter. Now I want you to imagine something once again. Imagine that a visiting dignitary from China were to knock on your door and demand that you return with him to China to serve in his household. Here's what your response would be if you're sane: you have no jurisdiction over me. This is America. You can't tell me what to do for you have no authority in this country. This is not your land. And if you understand that, and he knows you understand that, then you can slam the door in his face and say, you knocked on the wrong door because I used to be in your jurisdiction. I used to be in your land. I used to be in your country. I used to be under your authority. But no more. I have been drawn out of that I might be placed into... The truth is that you are now owned by Christ and you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. you got a new king. you got a new ruler. You have new jurisdiction. You have a new country. And it is not this world. So do you see how when the enemy comes knocking on your door, he's hoping you don't know this. He's hoping you don't understand this. He can only operate as long as you are ignorant. But as soon as you and I understand what God has done for us, what Jesus' blood did for us, then he loses so much of his ability to to move on us and to capitalize on our ignorance. When Satan comes knocking and demands that you serve him, the answer is you have no jurisdiction over me. Amen? Amen. You have no jurisdiction over me. You've lost your legal right to me. I am no longer yours. I've been bought with a price. I'm a child of the king, so get off my turf. And this is really, really very serious. And I want us to understand the gravity of this because when he talks about the darkness, he's not talking about any small thing. This darkness, it helps you understand why people do what they do. How can they do what they do? You know, this month has just been a bloody month. I mean, dads killing their families and this this terrible violence. And you go, how can people do these things? Are you ready? I'm going to tell you. The darkness. It's, It's more than somebody upset over losing a job. It's the darkness. The darkness, Paul mentions, is a tyrant darkness it's tyrannical it's a darkness of tyranny if you don't know christ you are being tyrannized by the enemy of your soul he is not passive he is aggressive and you're being tyrannized the darkness that he's talking about as the book title said this present darkness that is all over the world it's horrible and it's monstrous and if I didn't understand this, I, I really, frankly, I'd, I'd, I'd be sitting in a chair just staring off into the, into the at the wall because I wouldn't understand what's going on around me. But I understand that man has fallen. And because man has fallen, he is subject and he is under the authority of this present darkness. And unless he gets saved out of it, he will live in it and he will do the bidding of the devil. And I know we're in a warfare And I know that there was an invasion over 2,000 years ago. God invaded earth via Bethlehem and the womb of a virgin. And Jesus was born the Messiah. And He defeated the devil in the wilderness. And He went about everywhere doing good, healing all of those who were oppressed by that present darkness. And he does the same thing today. And everywhere he is preached and everywhere he is shared and every place where he rules, there is light. And the darkness is defeated. This darkness that Paul's talking about holds all men in its authority. Did you know that? And all are powerless to escape. Listen to what John wrote about the darkness. He said, quote, We know positively that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one what an amazing passage the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one so it doesn't surprise me when i see the things i see i mean it grieves me but i understand we're in a warfare but praise god people are being drawn out of that darkness all over the world amen now the only way that a rescue can take place from this fearsome darkness is if the rescuer is stronger than that which binds those in need of rescuing. You got to have somebody stronger than the darkness. And I want you to look at what Jesus said. He said, "If I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his house." What was Jesus saying? I'm the only one who can step into the darkness of your life and bind the strong man and set you free. I'm the one that can do it. I'm the only one greater than him, stronger than him, mightier than him, and capable of releasing you from him. I'm the only one. So he went about everywhere casting devils out of people. And they would speak out of the people they were oppressing and possessing, and begged Jesus not to cast them into the abyss before their time. They answered to Him because He's the strong man. Can you say with me? Jesus is the strong man. He is stronger than the strong man, the devil. He is stronger than the devil. This is spiritual power we're talking about. And He alone can bind Him and spoil His work in the life of one needing rescue. How many of you can attest to the fact The man I once was bound, but now I'm free. And I tried to get free. I tried so many ways to get free and couldn't do it. But I got free when I called on the Son of God. Come on, give Him a hand of praise tonight. I tell you, my Jesus can set you free. He can set you free from alcohol. He can set you free from drugs. He can set you free from depression. He can set you free. He's the only one. But when He comes walking into your life, the powers of darkness that have been operating in your life are doomed. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 6, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. You were the servants of sin, he goes on to say, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made, what everybody preach it to me, free from sin. Say it again, free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. See, you can't serve righteousness until the strong man comes in and sets you free and enables you to do so. Now, here's what the Bible's telling us. We Christians have been drawn out of the dominion of this present darkness and are called to bear fruit, to be involved in works that glorify God, and to live lives free from the shackles of bondage. That's what it means to be rescued. Well, that's powerful stuff. Now, you know, I, uh, I didn't know Jesus. I wasn't raised in church, not ever, in my whole life. I wasn't, maybe went to church every once in a while on an Easter, but I didn't know anything about it. I was not raised in church. I was totally pagan. I mean, I didn't even pray to God. didn't even conceive or think to do it until I was 16. It never came out of my mouth. So as a result, I was looking for answers in all the wrong places and looked in drugs, primarily in drugs, looking for a spiritual experience. I'm convinced so many people out there are looking for connection with the living God and don't know how to get it. And so they try these different mind-expanding drugs and the the drugs that you take to give you sort of a counterfeit piece, counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. They're looking for that connection with God because they know something's missing, but they can't put their finger on it because they're in this present darkness. And that was me. And so got into the pot, got into the LSD, got into a little bit of speed, Thank God I never, never had any money because I was broke all the time. I didn't really get to do it a lot, but I did it as much as I could get my hands on it. And one day I skipped school. I was sitting in this VW minibus by myself smoking pot. Can you imagine me doing that? Smoking pot, sitting in there while everybody was in school. And I had to get out and get something to drink. It was at a 7-Eleven. Got out to get something because my, my mouth was like dry. Got out, and here comes the cops, pulled right up, said, Jeff Wickwire. I said, who? (laughs) Jeff Wickwire. And I said, yes, sir, and tried to look so angelic. Why in the world would you ever want me? He said, get in the car. So I got in, and this time I was in the back seat. (laughs) Many moons ago, 16. Got in, and he took me down to jail book me, and they had me on a sale narcotics charge, and I didn't know it. They had put a narcotics officer in our midst, I didn't know it. Long hair, cool-looking jeans, bell-bottoms, and I sold it, and they got me. Took my picture front ways and sideways, stayed the night. Next day, they take me down to juvenile home. I'm in this present darkness. I'd never heard the gospel. I had never heard what I'm telling you tonight. I'd never cracked the Bible open. I thought it was the most boring book you could possibly want to read. Thee, thou, wouldest, shouldest, couldest, can't this, can't that. The last thing I was going to read was the Bible. Took me down to juvenile home. And I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I'm looking in there. I'm sitting in a cell alone. And I'm looking out a window. And here's what's going through my head. Why do I keep doing these things? Why do I keep getting in trouble? What's wrong with me? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be this way. What's wrong with me? I didn't understand that I was being held by this present darkness. Didn't know it was wrong. Well, Third night that I was there, I mean, I was in solitary. Third night that I was there, knock, knock, knock on the door of my cell. I, the guard says, hey, Wickwire, you want to come down and some people talk to you about Christianity? I didn't even know what that was. Christianity, what do you mean, church? But I would have gone to a sewing class to get out of that cell. And so I said, sure. So they unlocked it, took me down heard it about 50 of us guys in there all juvenile delinquents all of us in trouble for different things and in walks this man with uh three young people three teenagers they had a guitar and they sang a couple of songs jesus songs and i thought oh my lord this is awful but here i am and as soon as this is over with i'm going to play pool and he stood up and he looked like clark kent he had the glasses he had the hair i thought this guy's got nothing i want to hear but he opened up that book And he quoted John 3.16. And I'm going to tell you something. You've got to understand the power of the gospel that we preach. Paul said it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, the Jew first, and also to the Greek, to every Gentile. When you share that gospel with somebody, there is light and there is power and there is an anointing on it that nothing else can match. And when he read John 3.16, all of a sudden, sudden, something had me frozen. I mean, mesmerized by this guy. And I was listening very carefully. And he pointed his finger. I was convinced he was looking right at me. Matter of fact, I was looking to the side of me like, how come he's looking only at me? But see, that was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Out of 50 of us, I felt like he was looking right at me. So I started looking back. He said, if you come to Christ tonight, he'll give you a brand new life. Never have I heard that. And I said to myself, if you stand up, they're going to mock you, ridicule you. They're going to beat on you. You're going to be a fool. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to be in misery the rest of the time that you're in here. Another voice said, he's told you the truth. And if you'll listen and do what he said, I will change your life. Battle going on inside of me. Because the darkness was battling the light, and the light was battling the darkness. And the reason I'm telling you this is this is what we've got to get back to, church. We've got to get back to sharing this the gospel, winning people, drawing them out of the darkness into the light. It's a real thing. And so he closed it out. He said, If you want to pray with us, we're asking you to stand and come forward. Nobody moved. They packed up the guitar. And they were headed out the door. Nobody had moved. I jumped up. I don't know how I got up. I jumped up. And I got right behind him. And I said, sir, I want to. And I broke down. He whisked me into another room, and I blubbered, and I bawled, and I cried. And and I hadn't cried in years. I had watched people get beaten to a bloody pulp and had not shed a tear. I was hardened inside, but something was touching me. The light was penetrating the dark. And he said, Jeff, let's pray. I never prayed. I said, I don't know how to do that. He said, you just repeat this after me, but you mean it. And So I said, all right. He led me in a simple sinner's prayer. We were in a dingy green walled room. I'll never forget it. I mean, I don't know why they paint those walls green, but they do. And yet when I lifted up my head, it was, seemed to be sparkling and glittering and shining, prettiest green I'd ever seen. And he said, I want you to have this. He gave me a little New Testament, a little striped paperback New Testament. And he said, I want you to think about what you've done. You are saved. Christ is in your heart now go. went back to my cell. I said to the guard, can you leave my light on? Because I want to read this. He said, okay. He left the light on. I read all about Jesus for the first time. Walked on water, healed the sick, raised the dead, spoke like no man ever spoke. I whisked through those gospels. And that night I said, Lord, if you can make anything of this mess I've made of my life, I give it to you. Two years later, I'm back in that juvenile home preaching the gospel to them. Two years later. And I came to find that there is a power in the Holy Spirit, that grace is a powerful, powerful thing, and that God changes you. And Muhammad didn't do this for you. Buddha didn't do this for you. Confucius did not die for your sins. Zoroaster did not stand in your stead and take the blame for your sin. Only one person did and ever has and ever will. And his name is Jesus. Let's not forget that. His name is Jesus. So how does this amazing rescue happen? I'm going to close with this. How does this amazing rescue happen? What happened to me when I was 16 and what's happened to most of you? Paul says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now look at this Greek word, apolutrisis, apolutrisis. That's the word for redemption. Now let me break it apart for you real quick. Apo, the prefix, means before. Lutron, which is where we get lupsis or trosis from, lutron, means a ransom price. Apolutrisis means a price paid ahead of time. Redeem means that the price was paid ahead of time. Aren't you glad that 2,000 years ago Jesus paid the price so you could be saved now? He shed His blood ahead of time. Now, this powerful word means a before-paid ransom or a ransom paid in advance. We were on the slave block, bound in sin, serving Satan, lost and without hope. But look at what the Bible says, quote, But God shows and clearly proves His own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us, paid the ransom necessary for our redemption by shedding His blood, We have been drawn out of the jurisdiction of this present darkness by the before-paid ransom of the blood of Christ. And that means we've been redeemed. We are rescued. Amen? Can you give the Lord a hand for being rescued? (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's stand together, can we? Now I wanted to share this tonight because I wanted us to get ready for Easter. And for every Sunday after Easter. And every day after Easter. We've got a message of reconciliation. We've got a message of redemption. And I'm going to say it again, Muhammad didn't die for you. Confucius didn't die for you. Nobody put their blood on the checkout counter to ransom you and I from sin and from hell, but the Lamb of God. And I don't care what the rest of the planet says. That's the fact. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Now go bear fruit to His glory. Father, we just thank You that we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been redeemed. We have been purchased off the slave block and set free. And Lord, we just thank You for that wonderful blood that Lord was spilled for us and paid the price for us. And as rescued people, I pray for an anointing on this congregation and on everybody listening by radio and all the rest of our church family that, Lord, as rescued people, we will go out and rescue people, not by our strength but by the gospel that rescued us. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for making this church a church of evangelists and witnesses and testifiers to the glory of God. Now, if you receive that, put your hands right up in the air and say, Lord, Lord God, thank you for rescuing me. Help me to keep my eyes open and be sensitive to the moving of your Spirit to reach out and share with others the message of rescuing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your mighty name, amen.